Thank you for joining us in part two of the NCYOJ School Responder Model Discussion on Positive Youth Development, or PYD. In this podcast, NCYOJ's Darren Cosgrove and Katherine Kramer are back, talking with Dr. Brando about challenges and barriers related to implementing PYD, those elements in schools and communities that can facilitate a strong PYD framework, and key principles of positive youth development. If you missed part one of this conversation, please feel free to stream the content, which covers some of the PYD essentials and details how this framework supports a school responder model. So we've heard your experiences, and we also talked a little bit about PYD in the context of a school responder model. What else would you say positive youth development looks like when it's put into action? Well, there are definitely um, some core principles of PYD, and maybe Catherine and I can, can run through those and offer a couple of, of examples of what those principles might look like in, in action. Uh, you know, one of the, the core principles is um, connecting young people with at least one caring adult. So in the example that I used, there, and I, and I can really speak to this both as, as having been a young person, a member of the group, and then having for, for many years, you know, worked um, you know, in a professional capacity as, as the advisor of the group. And the advisors of the group really emphasized and, and spent a lot of time making sure there were opportunities to build trust and rapport between group members and the advisors. Um, advisors, you know, regularly made themselves available um, outside of group meetings to, you know, be a supportive resource, uh, to, to function in some ways as, as a mentor, or at times when needed, really work as an advocate um, for that young person, um, whether that was doing some advocacy, you know, in the community and in, in the young person's you know, school environment, or or sometimes advocate on behalf of the young person if there was any, you know, difficult situations at home. Um, and I, I know, again, having been on both sides of that relationship, just how important um, that that having that that really caring adult in your corner is. Um, and like like Catherine shared, you know, the the adults that she had worked with as a young person just really um, were, were a strong and influential positive adult relationship. I, I certainly feel that way about the the folks who were the advisors of my group and and hope that I was able to offer that to, to the young people that I served when I was an advisor. But that that connection with at least one caring, you know, supportive adult is is really essential um, to positive youth development. So the second item that we'll look at is connecting to school and connecting to other youth-serving organizations or agencies. So the importance really of developing those social and emotional competencies and connections through um, the involvement in those in those groups or those organizations. And I think for both Darren and I, as you heard us talk about our examples, you know, for me in the example that, that I spoke about, um, my connection to that program made school a really important place for me to go. So I was always a, a good student, a decent student. Um, by no means was I like the best student at math or science. And, and I always kind of felt like that's what really mattered in my school was being good in those subjects. And I was okay. But in this program, I, I really excelled and it made me feel connected to my school. It made me feel connected to adults in the school in a way. And it, it also built my kind of emotional resiliency and managing 
other underclassmen. So when I was a junior, like working with freshmen and sophomore and building relationships with them and really kind of managing their activities out in the community. So all of this forged connections to the agencies and organizations that I was part of and the people within them. And I think you heard a lot of that in, in Darren's example as well. A, a kind of a third piece uh, that, that's related to the core principles of positive youth, youth development is um, engaging young people with peers uh, who have pro-social orientations. So, uh, you know, again, just to go back to, you know, the example I shared about the, the program I used to work with, um, the group not only focused on, on producing these like these educational outputs for the community. It also really prioritized young people's need for connectedness and belonging. And and that was really evident, like in the group that, that there was this, this double mission and that it was a related mission that, um, our educational services were really good because we were a group that deeply cared about one another and about our mission. We had this really strong sense of identity and connectedness to one another. And I think that that influenced the quality of the work we were doing and the work, the outputs, you know, provided a, like a tangible project for us to be working towards. But, but the group definitely emphasized the value of connectedness, the value of belonging, um, oftentimes, you know, our group meetings had uh, portions of, of time that were just strictly dedicated to, to team building, to, to group games, to group members just being able to hang out and have these like informal and supportive conversations with one another, with the adults that were involved. Um, and then the those types of activities at our weekly meetings were also supplemented by um, really intentional opportunities for us. Our, our advisors often would bring us to... Um, go to like leadership conferences um, where we might be able to connect with other young people who are doing similar work. So there, there was a lot of opportunity for us to connect with, with other, other peers. And that was just such an incredible experience. So the last one that we'll talk about is the ways that um, PYD really facilitates creating a network of social capital to provide aid, social supports and resources to young people. So in a lot of ways, um, you know, I was a very fortunate person in terms of my family and the social supports and, and economic supports that I got at home. Not all young people are, are in that situation. And I'll say from the example that that I talked about this kind of service learning program, that the, the connection that that program brought between um, young people, other people in the school, other people out in the community, how that helped. You know, I know to the two of the the leaders that the two leaders that ran the program, they helped people with their college applications, with their essays, um, things that, you know, maybe a person didn't have connection to in their own life, in their own family. And so by their involvement in that program, they really were brought together with this kind of supportive structure around them that kind of surrounded the young person that was the young people that were involved in this. And I'll say that it, it delivered benefits far beyond, um, you know, the things that we even talked about, but really tangible things in terms of preparing for jobs, preparing for, you know, entering colleges and things like that. I think that there are really, you know, some some key takeaways because um, I think, you know, positive youth development can sometimes be feel like this really abstract paradigm. In some ways, it is, but but there are these core core guiding principles, um, and there's also just, you know, to to kind of summarize some 
you know, some key points here is, is the idea that positive youth development um, really focuses on like personalizing and, and customizing, you know, opportunities and experiences for young people with a focus on identity development and exploration of possible self. It's very, um, you know, possibility focused, as Catherine mentioned uh, previously, it, it sort of is a, it's not sort of, it is definitely a move away from a deficit-based focus to really a strength-based focus that ex- that provides an opportunity to explore who young people are, how their identities are developing. Um, and, and we're seeing that as, as a really exciting, healthy, and, and really formative time in a young person's life. Uh, positive youth development also really emphasizes the importance of exercising voice and choice. Youth are provided with opportunities to self-direct and self-determine. Certainly that can happen with adult support. Uh, adults can um, you know, help initiate tasks and projects that can be scaffolded in ways that are developmentally appropriate. So this might involve like helping, you know, young folks break a complex task into some smaller tangible uh, steps as they work towards uh, their goals, but that that goal setting and that um, leadership is really um, directed and and grounded by young people's lived experiences and self-identified needs and goals. Um, So I think that that voice and choice is so important that it is not a sort of a tokenistic um, use of youth. Um, Sometimes youth are, touted as, you know, you know, being in leadership roles, but those leadership roles don't actually come with any authority or decision-making power. And positive youth development really recognizes the need for, for youth's voice, voices to have space to be shared, to be listened to, to be respected, and to, to youth re- youth, for youth to really have choices in, in these uh, types of programs. Um, and then finally, positive youth development has a focus on uh, pursuing Educational um, and economic opportunities. Um, adults can provide structures through which young people can discover their unique self, their talents, can get can, and, and therefore get connected to future opportunities. Um, and I think both Catherine and my examples really spoke to how the programs that we were involved in, um, you know, certainly had a, a focus and a goal, uh, maybe a tangible output in my case, these, these educational programs, but also provided these networking opportunities. Uh, I can recall as a young person going to different like advocacy days at the state capitol and meeting legislators, um, you know, meeting different organizations and agencies that, you know, I later ended up working for because of those connections that, that were made during that time in the group. So I think it's a great way to help support young people's um, exploration of career goals um, and and furthering and supplementing some of the uh, both educational and and, and again uh, economic opportunities that might be there in the the future. Wonderful. On the other side of this, what would you say are some of the challenges and the the barriers associated with uh, positive youth development and actually implementing this in a school or even in a community setting? Catherine, what would you say? Yeah, I would say that the challenges or barriers would likely be similar in both school and community settings. So I think one big barrier that Darren and I spoke about earlier was the deficit orientation that really pervades the structure and design of many youth-serving agencies and organizations, so like schools, community-based mental health services, as well as just youth-serving professionals kind of overall. 
So I, I think, you know, one challenge is, is that the funding and resources that are there for services are often tied to treating problems. There are very few resources that are available for prevention and basic development. So, you know, we kind of, in a lot of ways, leave young people to kind of develop you know, on their own in their communities, in their family units. And then if there are problems, they suddenly come to the attention of service providers in some way. And I think, you know, the lack of kind of services and funding around doing some of that initial preventative work is is definitely a significant barrier. Um, And then, of course, as we spoke about before, many youth serving professions are also organized around treating problems rather than building on strengths and abilities. And so, you know, if we think about social work or or mental health professionals, we really, in a lot of ways, are, are trained to intervene when a young person has some kind of mental health issue, having some kind of symptoms, having some kind of problems, you know. And I think that even in, in education where folks are certainly working to develop all young people's education and abilities, I think a disproportionate amount of attention is is focused on those that we consider to be at risk, right? So once they're suddenly um, come to the attention of, of the educators as potentially failing to meet the mark, so to say, suddenly that's when investments happen. And, and far less so at the the onset. And I think that pervades the way things are funded, the way that we're organized, and even the way that we're trained as professionals to kind of interact with, with young people. I will also say that, um, you know, youth serving systems such as schools and, and community-based services are very disjointed and, and siloed. Darren and I spoke about how part of PYD is really this idea of having synergy across these environments that, you know, each of us as a service provider, we think of, we treat, you know, or, or attend to one aspect of a young person. So an educator, I'm, I'm there to educate that young person. I'm, if I'm a social worker that's working with the young person, you know, maybe I'm concerned about their mental health or their social emotional development. We all kind of divide up young people in ways that we know that's not how people function, right? That people are people. They're their integrated selves. All of those components are part of who that person is. And our systems don't work very well together. So each system kind of has its separate funding streams, separate regulatory and accountability demands, and that can make it really hard to work in those synergistic ways that Darren and I spoke of. And then lastly, I would say that, um, you know, I think maybe we see this potentially now more than ever, although I suppose that's been said over many generations, but there is this friction and problem, you know, friction between generations and this problem of adultism. So having a, a deficit or problem-oriented view of youth by adults has a very long history, and there is certainly evidence that that perception is potentially growing in some ways. Um, We see a lot of animosity and and kind of friction between baby boomers, between millennials, and I think, you know, more of that might be intensifying in some ways and and can be problematic. It can spill, you know, over into our professional lives and, and, and our work with young people. So what about um, the elements that can help with facilitating the implementation of positive youth development um, in either of these settings, uh, rather than focusing on the challenges and barriers? What would you say are those um, helping factors? Yeah, I can I can speak to that. And I, Catherine, I feel like you're getting like the, <laughs> each of these questions, you're tackling the, the challenging side and I'm getting the, the bright side. So we'll That's okay. Read. We'll have to reevaluate our, our division of uh, labor and opportunities in the future. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's there's lots of facilitative factors. I think, you know, the, 
one of the most important is that there absolutely has to be a commitment on the uh, commitment on the part of the like leadership at the school or community based mental health setting. Um, leadership has to have buy in to want to bring about a shift in how. Um, how we all work with with youth and how that work is approached. There also really needs to be a realigning of uh, the mission and goals or priorities of the school or community setting to reflect the the principles that Catherine and I previously spoke spoke about the the principles of positive youth development. Catherine had previously been speaking about the the very real experience of siloing, and that is something that we need to to really consider. Uh, A significant facilitator or support for positive youth development is the ability for there to be interprofessional and interdisciplinary collaboration across professions, including educators and mental health providers. Um, There really needs to be an active breaking down of silos between professions, um, and that can be achieved by by organizing around a more sort of holistic perspective of a young person, just like Catherine was, was um, sharing about. We, we really need to look at young people holistically and then find ways to holistically collaborate to, to not have this fragmented sort of approach to work with, with youth. Hopefully there's a there's a growing interest in peer relationships in incorporating youth participation in leadership and governance structures of schools and community-based organizations. Uh, this could involve having uh, youth on the board or being part of formal structures uh, that inform organizational opportunities. And again, back to that idea of voice and choice, this has to involve young people being involved in real meaningful ways that actually carry some decision-making power and not in tokenistic ways. Positive youth development can also uh, be supported by shifting priorities in the policy environment. Uh, Legislation such as the Every Student Succeeds Act uh, happening in education at the federal level, as well as greater attention to the handling of youth who become involved in the juvenile justice system, for example, raise the age, really suggests that policy is catching up uh, to what is known about adolescent development. And these directions also place a greater emphasis on trauma and on social and emotional learning, which is very much aligned with positive youth development. Um, of course, taking some some steps back and, and thinking about um, who we uh, recruit into youth-serving professions and how we train those staff is really important. Rather than having to sort of uh, support professionals, adult professionals, in the process of transcending and sort of undoing what they may have already learned, maybe from a deficit model um, or perspective of youth, and really trying to engage um, people that have been steeped in or are, are engaged in uh, more strength-based and positive youth development uh, paradigms to begin with can can get us, you know, moving in the direction we need to be moving. Individually, we can really spend some time getting in touch with our own experiences as a young person. Um, that can uh, really be illuminating, having the opportunity to remember what mattered um, to each of us, you know, what mattered, you know, to a listener, what mattered to you as a young person? Um, what were those experiences, positive or negative, that you still remember today, right? We all went through these, the, the, the developmental journey of being an adolescent. 
Um, so while it's important to not make assumptions that, that our own individual experience will be or should be the experience of all young people, starting with ourselves is a great way to interrogate our own um, beliefs or assumptions about young people. That's so true. Um, a lot of the um, trainings that NCYOJ offers, it's not uncommon for there to be an activity that asks participants to reflect on their adolescence in some way, shape, or form to identify, you know, what were some of the behaviors they had, um, attitudes they had, and so on. To speak to a little bit of what you're saying, Darren, about really getting in touch with your own experiences as a young person um, and helping that to inform how you relate to young people today um, and and whatever the working role may be or personal role may be. So thank you so much. And in the last couple of minutes here, I want to tie this more explicitly back to school responder models again and ask Catherine, um, based on your experience in both of these areas, if PYD was adopted by more schools, including schools uh, doing the school responder model work and implementing that framework, what do you think some of the outcomes could be for youth in those environments in just a couple of minutes? Sure. So I think that there's a growing body of research that looks at positive youth development and what kinds of outcomes it can have. So I think if we look to that literature, we can really get some uh, good ideas about, you know, what this would look like if this was joined together, if PYD was joined together with a school responder model. So I'll run through some of those outcomes. Uh, I have five of them that I'll highlight. So really the first is um, this idea that PYD is associated with uh, youth in their ability to develop social, academic, cognitive, and vocational competence. So I think for those who are working within a school, I think this is probably the outcome that you uh, are are most familiar with and and your job is really oriented to achieve. And I I think that there is a lot of good research that shows that a positive youth development orientation and framework when joined with the school responder model can actually be really supportive of of achieving that primary mission. So the second that I would share is that PYD, and I think you heard this very loud and clear anecdotally from Darren and I in our experience, but that PYD is really associated with youth developing a general sense of worth, of um, self-efficacy, of confidence, this idea that they really matter and that they have value. So um, they develop a sense of hope and it kind of joins with that, that sense of competence and that sense of confidence and have a vision for the future, have a plan for themselves and really feel like they are capable of, of achieving that. So third, I will say, um, you know, I think this also came across pretty clear, but PYD is also associated with youth developing connections to peers, um, family, caring adults such as teachers, social workers, coaches, principals and others in schools, and of course, in other um, youth serving organizations, and all such significant others in the lives of young people contribute to their healthy development and their school success. The fourth I'll share is that um, youth develop character, including a sense of right and wrong, of respect for norms, of, of really developing ideas about boundaries, about relationships, and about how to be a productive and contributing member to their community and, and to have the ability to be resilient, to overcome challenges that they are likely to face throughout life. And finally, I'll share that um, youth developing care for others with the ability to present, to possess sympathy and empathy for others. And I think you know, that's really important one. Again, getting to this idea of um, 
the outcomes are not isolated to a young person, but they're, they're really can have quite profound impacts on the community overall when young people are, are developed in such a way that they have care and compassion for others. Thank you so much, Catherine. I think that wraps up the time we have for this conversation. Um, I really want to thank both you and Darren for joining us and talking about positive youth development and this um, podcast. Are there any closing thoughts, any final words from either of you? No, thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. And um, this is something that we're both really excited about and passionate about. So it's always, always fun to talk about. So thanks. Thank you so much, Crystal. Uh, Darren and I are both really passionate about this topic. So we thank you for giving us the opportunity to share it with others. Thank you for listening to this conversation on positive youth development. As always, to learn more about school responder models, please visit the NCYOJ School Responder Model Virtual Toolbox at srm.policyresearchinc.org.